welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. for leading us in worship tonight. What a fabulous job. They do do want to give a special shout out, not that he'll ever remember it from, from here on out, but to my nephew Presley who is attending his first, first church service. Uh, we're so glad that he's here. Just uh, not that long ago, he was hooked up to a bunch of cords and his breathing was was having issues, but the church prayed and we believed and he's here in church tonight. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We'll, we'll give Cincinnati children, Sister Danielle, we'll give them some of the credit, but we're going to give Jesus a little credit too, if that's all right. Amen, amen. Genesis 15, 12 through 18. Thank you for being here for those who are visiting on this chilly January night. We're so glad that you've come and we hope that you encounter the presence of Jesus while you're here this evening. Starting in verse 12. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, everybody say afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in Peace. Everybody say peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Amen. Tonight, I, I've been kind of ruminating on this thought for a few weeks, but I want to talk about finding peace in the pieces. And uh, I believe that peace is not necessarily the, the presence of pleasure or the absence of pain, but peace is something that goes beyond what we feel. And it relies entirely on the promises and covenant of God. How many believe that to be true tonight? 
So why don't you pray with me? Thank you, Jesus, for what we've already felt in this place. We're so grateful for your word. Your word is alive and active and powerful and endures forever. I pray, God, that it would go forth tonight unhindered. And, God, that it would accomplish whatsoever you desire to accomplish in this place. Help us, Jesus, not just to be hearers of the word, but, God, we would be doers of the word. Help us not just to be stirred, but to be changed and transformed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Give Jesus one more hand clap of praise tonight. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. I want to ask this evening, what, what comes to mind when you hear the word peace? Maybe for all the moms here tonight, you think of peace as when your kids are taking a nap. <laughs> or they're off to school and you get a little peace and quiet. Maybe for those who are more inclined to worry, peace looks like knowing a plan, detail by detail. And you've accounted for all of the potential ways it could go wrong. And you have allotted for certain contingencies every step of the way. And so that gives you some semblance of peace. Of course, peace is not just a biblical term. Peace is a term we hear all around in our world today. There's seminars and podcasts and books created each year and it all all in attempts to help us attain just a little bit of peace in our lives. And yet in the abundance of resources available at our fingertips, we live in a world devoid of peace. It's not for lack of trying. Oh, we try. Peace is something that many, not just those that are religious, many want peace. And yet they search and and it always leaves one empty-handed because peace, true peace, will only ever be available through the power of Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus to his followers in the Gospel of John 16 and 33 says, I have said these things to you that In me, you may have peace. Watch what he says next. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He said, you're going to face some things, but I'm giving you the answer to your crisis of peace. The answer is me. Which means if we go searching for peace in any other place but at the foot of the cross, we will always come back empty-handed. But if you can go to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, no matter what you're going through, I wish I had somebody that had some true peace and could testify. It does not matter what life throws our way. If I can see Jesus through it all, there is a peace that passes all understanding that can guard our hearts and our minds. Is anybody thankful for that peace tonight? So I don't think it would be an exaggeration or an overstatement to suggest that our world is in a, 
a crisis of peace. You can watch the, the news for less than a minute and you will know that humanity is just out of control and this country and that, that part of the globe, everybody is in this continual conflict. We see the violence in, in the Middle East between Palestine and Israel and it, and it finds thousands of people each day in the crossfire of violence and, and unnecessary death. And while we gaze across the sea and can think that peace is a Middle East problem, we have to recognize the absence of peace in our own living rooms at times. I think about the, the tragedy of, of the opioid epidemic that, that has taken over the last few years over six figures of people every year who are, who are dying through drug overdose. How heart-wrenching. Lives that are unnecessarily cut short as men and women alike are chasing peace. That's, all, that's what they want is, some, is peace in their lives. Not realizing that true peace is only available in Jesus. See, we talked about it a few weeks ago, Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus is Wonderful. Jesus is Counselor. Jesus is the Mighty God. Jesus is the everlasting Father. And Jesus alone is the Prince of Peace. But what if the reason we don't have peace at times is we're submitting to the wrong prince? See, Ephesians 2 talks about another prince. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul tells us what happens when we submit to the authority of the wrong prince. When we allow the world to dictate to us what peace should look like, how we respond to crisis, how we handle uncertainty. And that's why in verse 3 we find we're following the wrong passions. We carry out sinful desires and we forfeit in the process, we forfeit our opportunity for peace. But a few verses later, Ephesians 2 starting in verse 11. Allow me to read a few verses tonight. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That was us. But now in 
Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by how good you acted, by how spiritual you looked. No, you were brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. He's talking about the Jew and the Gentile. So making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. In verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Notice the the beauty here. Paul says, in Christ, we are given peace with God and peace with one another. He says, the barrier between the Jew and the Gentile was broken down at the cross. The barrier between the rich and the poor, between the white, the black, and the brown. The barriers recognized by the world have been brought to the ground by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Paul said Jesus came to preach peace. That was his message. It was a message of reconciliation between us as fallen, sin-stained humans and a perfect, holy, righteous God. And what if the reason that we can't have internal peace is because we either don't have peace with God or we don't have peace with one another. Think about that in that passage in Ephesians again. He said Jesus came to preach peace. He made peace between us and God. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles. People that, people that were always opposed to one another, always fighting. All of a sudden he says you guys are one body. One big happy family. So I want to ask you two questions tonight as you are assessing your own internal peace. The first one is, am I at peace with God? Am I at peace with God? Again, that is only going to happen through the work of Jesus Christ. So don't leave here thinking I got to make I got to make peace with God and I got to do all these checklists and I got to you could never do anything to earn peace with God. Is everybody on the same page? Any I mean anything. I don't care if you left here and you got on your knees and prayed till Jesus came back. That wouldn't be good enough for you to earn peace with God. It is only coming when we are in Christ. The second question I want to ask. First, am I at peace with God? Second, am I at peace with those around me? Now, if you answer no or I don't know to either question, that might be contributing to the absence of true peace in our lives. Can we believe that tonight? 
peace with God and peace with one another. And so we go to our opening text, Brother Howard, in Genesis 15. And for those of you who, who started the Bible reading plan at the first of the year, maybe you've encountered this text recently. Genesis 15 finds us a few uh, chapters after the introduction of a man named Abraham. At this time, he was simply Abram. He had not yet had his name changed. So when I say Abram, just think Abraham, okay? Father Abraham and his many sons. Genesis 12, 1 through 4 reads, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you, and, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, now I want to catch that. All the families of the earth will be blessed in Abraham. Did we catch that? All the families. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham, 75 years old, when he departed from Haran. Now to us, this feels like an unbelievable story. But to Abram, this was his life. He was 75 years old. And the Lord said, I want you to leave everything you know and love. And trust me. How many thinks that would be a hard decision to make? That would be tough. Everything you know, all, all the security, everything you've built. I want you to leave that place and trust me. And so just a few short chapters later, we have the Lord coming back to Abram in Genesis 15. And he comes back and he wants to remind him, I've not forgotten about the promise I gave you. How many is thankful that the Lord doesn't want us to forget his promises? Amen. Amen. Genesis 15, 1 through 3. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Does everyone see how it's our human nature to attempt to help God with the plans he makes for us? God has this plan, he's given it to him, and everything that Abraham can see with his eyes is saying, okay, all right, maybe God just needs a little help. Well, I'm getting up there in age, and I know you've given me the promise, and I believe you, but maybe, maybe I misunderstood what you meant by error. You know? Uh, maybe you're going to just work through a member of my household. And I just kind of got this whole, I'm going to have a son thing. I, I took it way too far. But I want to encourage somebody tonight that God's promises do not expire. And, and sometimes, sometimes we work off of our timeline. Anybody ever had a timeline? You, 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 you know, they talk about a five-year plan. And you've got, all, you've got it all worked out, and then it just feels like God's just not getting with the program. You know what I mean, Brother Bobby? Like just, you, you've got it all mapped out. You've got everything figured out. And you're like, God, I'm, I'm doing something for you. Why won't you give me what I want now? 
Is this okay tonight? I just want to be, I'm, I want to be honest and transparent. I don't care what age you are or what your life story is. When the Lord calls you, he has already factored in all the baggage that comes with you. He didn't make a mistake when he called you. How many knows he sees from the end? We're, 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 we're constricted in time and space, but he's a God of eternity. And so he already, he sees from the end. And he, and he already knew what you were going to do. And he already knew how you were going to fail and stumble and make yourself look silly. And people were going to ridicule and question your calling. But I need you to know you're still called. Even if other people don't think so, if God has called you, you're still called. Amen. So we arrive at verse 12 of our opening text. We see where the sun goes down and Abraham, he falls asleep. And all of a sudden, we get this promise from the Lord. The Lord, he told him, he said, you're going to have offspring, but they're going to be sojourners. And they're going to be afflicted and servants for 400 years. But, but I'm going to bring judgment on that nation. And through that affliction, you're going to come out with great possessions. That doesn't, I don't know that that sounds like a great promise, to be honest with you. Like, you're telling me this wonderful plan, but then four centuries worth of affliction? And if we travel over to the very next book of the Bible in Exodus 1, we see the fulfillment of these verses. Exodus 1, starting in verse 8. Now, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. Joseph is a descendant of Abraham. He said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over to afflict them with the heavy burdens. Let's drop down verse 12. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. Someone needs to know that your affliction was not meant to destroy you. Your affliction has been sent to expand you. To to help you grow in ways that comfort would never allow you to grow. They attacked you, they condemned you, they rejected, they dismissed, they betrayed you. But guess what? You just keep on growing. And the more God's people were oppressed, the more they multiplied. Isn't that just like the kingdom of Jesus? The world looks at your situation and says they've suffered defeat. But in the kingdom of Jesus, Jesus says... Weeping may endure for the night, but joy is coming in the morning and you will grow. Your affliction will help you grow and expand and get you. I love that that part of that, that verse where it says that even the Egyptians were afraid of them. See, that's what the enemy doesn't want you to know. 
is that when you're afflicted and you don't allow it to defeat you, but you allow it to sharpen you and grow, all of a sudden the enemy starts to fear you. Because you're making it through a, a difficult situation that they thought. Look at Job. The enemy thought that Job's, by taking his stuff and taking his health, that Job was only worshiping God because of what he got. And they found out real quick, even through all the doubt and discouragement, Job never cursed God. Job never disobeyed God. He said, Lord, even if you take everything away, though you slay me, Yet will I trust you. What would happen in this hour if there was a group of believers that said, God, even if they took away all my stuff, even if they took my health, even if you wrecked my finances, I still believe you are in control. I still believe peace is available to me. Come on, clap your hands tonight if you're thankful to know you serve a God in control. Verse 15, as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. It's actually the first time in Scripture readers will encounter the word peace. Of course, it comes from, if you, perhaps you've heard the word shalom. That is this word. And the Lord lets Abraham know. I know you've encountered pain. But at the end of this pain. There is a promise of peace. Verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark. Behold. A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your offspring. I give this land. Here's what I want us to catch this evening. The promise of peace that was given to Abraham was associated with God's covenant. It was not this abstract reality apart from God. Peace was a result of Abraham understanding that the Lord himself was stepping between the pieces of this sacrifice and promising Promising by himself that his his covenant would be established. And so peace was not predicated on Abram's success because at that point people would look at him and say, well, you got some, some stuff, but God gave you a promise and it doesn't look all that successful. It wasn't, his peace was not predicated upon that, upon other people's evaluation of where he was at in life, but on his covenant. See, if your peace hinges on your bank account, your relationships, your career, your personal happiness, the doctor's report, if if that is what dictates our peace, we will be grasping at the wind. there, There will be seasons in our life where everything lines up perfectly but there's going to be a whole lot of other seasons where something if not multiple things are going to start getting out of control and that's when you have to say where is my hope where does my peace come from am I worshiping Jesus because I thought that it was going to give me that white picket fence and that success and that six figure salary and I'd never have to go to the doctor 
Because that's, that's an Americanized Christianity. That's not the gospel. In this life, you will have tribulation. It's possible, I believe, that we allow the world's definition of success to kind of infiltrate our minds. So that even when we know about God's promises, we're too focused on how other people perceive us. That it begins to drain the peace that is available to us. You might say, well that sounds great, Brother Tyler, but that covenant was with Abraham. I'm glad you pointed that out. In Genesis 15, the Lord himself comes down and makes a covenant with Abram. And that is amazing and important and worth mentioning. But guess what? It was merely a shadow of what was to come in Christ. Because the Lord himself would come down again and make a new covenant. For he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. See, our peace did not come through the law of Moses. Our peace didn't come through the material blessings of God's covenant people. Our peace came through the redemptive blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. And so when the enemy comes to plague your mind, when he tells you your destiny is fraught with desperation and anxiety, and when it feels more like a prison than a promise we can look at the cross and say I know where to find my peace I know where to turn to when I'm in need of a little peace and restoration I don't have to worry about what life throws my way because in Jesus the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes We are healed. Come on, clap your hands if you're thankful for the healing power of Jesus. Even when life is caving in around me. I can look at Jesus and quote Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. When the doctor gives me a report that causes fear and worry, I can stand on the covenant of Jesus and say, Now may the Lord of peace himself give me peace at all times, in every way. In the night when the enemy whispers doubts, as I lay my head on a pillow, I can quote Psalm 4.8 In peace I will lie down and sleep For you alone Lord Make me dwell In safety Come on we're talking about a peace the world Can't give you And 
while we see that peace is not just available, but a promise belonging to God's covenant people. Here is a somber reality. So many Christians walk around completely devoid of peace in their life. Think about the unclaimed promise we leave on the table when we choose to live by the world's standards of peace instead of the Bible's. See, the world thinks peace is simply a lack of conflict. But that would mean that peace is predicated upon circumstances outside of our control. And we'll never live in a world this side of eternity. We'll never live without conflict. There will, there will always be conflict and chaos and, and uncertainty in our lives. And yet Jesus says, peace, I leave you. My peace, I give to you. That's John 14, 27. Sister Glenda, can we put that on the screen? I just want to leave that up there for, for the remainder. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. See, I, I think if you don't remember anything else, and I'm, and I'm hurrying to a close, please remember this next minute. Because Jesus, getting ready to leave his disciples, gives them a promise of peace. But what does he say? Not as the world gives it. So if we gauge peace, how the world gauges peace, we will never get it. We will never get the peace that Jesus gives. Because he's saying it's not going to look like what the world tells you peace looks like. Because they will tell you peace is all about pleasure. That peace could be found at the bottom of a bottle. Peace could be found in a pill. Peace could be found in a relationship or in a career or in a degree. That's the way the world says peace looks. But that's not what Jesus says peace looks like. He said, I'm not giving you a peace with conditions. When you have a promise from God that says, behold, I am with you always. Even to the end of the world. You don't have to forfeit your peace in the midst of loneliness. Behold, I am with you always. What a peace. When you have a promise from God like Paul which says my grace is sufficient for you. You don't have to abandon peace when sickness and pain step onto the scene. Because peace is not about the presence of pain. Jesus gives a different peace. A peace that passes, a peace that goes beyond comprehension. It's like, it's like when someone, I, I saw a mom one time speaking at her, her young daughter's funeral, lost her way too young. And there was, it was, I, I can't explain it, but the peace that this mother had. Knowing that though her daughter was taken way too soon, she, she was with Jesus. The confidence that she had, not just in her daughter's walk with the Lord, but in her own walk with the Lord that said, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this in my own strength. And there will be situations that we face in life. We want to insulate ourselves from suffering. We, that's why we, we want so much security. We're not going to be able to always give ourselves the type of security that we want. That sometimes we're going to go through some really hard things. And we're going to have to ask ourselves in those moments of darkness. Where is my hope? 
Who am I trusting? Because we can give Jesus the credit and still trust in ourselves. But I'm talking about a heavenly peace tonight. Peace with God. Peace with others. Scripture says that we're to pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. We love the holiness part, but we often leave out the peace with all men. Are we pursuing peace with one another? Even when it's inconvenient. Even when it makes us uncomfortable. See, we've got peace with God when we, when we are in Christ Jesus. But it said that he broke down the barrier between Jew and Gentile. People that wouldn't normally get along are brought together in Christ. There's a whole lot of New Testament letters where Paul says, Hey, you heathens, you better start getting along. I don't care what your background is. I don't care how much money you make. That's what he was talking about to the church in Corinth. He said, the rich Christians, you better start treating the poor Christians with respect because everyone's equal at the foot of the cross. I close tonight, invite you to stand if you're able. John 16, 33. I've said it once before. Let me say it one more time. I have said these things to you. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I want to ask us tonight, where do we need peace in our lives? Do we, do we need peace with God? Are we finding ourselves outside of the covenant that Jesus so freely gives us? Have we not yet made that step of faith? Have we not yet repented and, and told Jesus not just that we're sorry for our sins, but that we're turning from them? Have we not yet went down in the waters of baptism through faith in the name of Jesus? Have we not yet lifted our hands or knelt and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, which we see and observe through speaking in other tongues? Am I at peace with God through Jesus? If the answer is no, maybe that's why you don't have peace in your mind. Are you at peace with your brother and sister? Are there issues? Is there pettiness? Is there strife that you're finding it difficult to get through? Maybe that's why you don't have peace in your life. And so tonight, I invite everybody, if you feel comfortable, I want to open up these altars and I want to ask anybody who needs peace whatever the situation wherever your mind and heart is I invite you to come forward tonight lift your hands towards heaven or kneel down and seek Jesus because if you seek him you will find peace come on all across this place let's just make it a house of prayer a place of peace tonight hallelujah we love you Jesus we thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. We thank you that peace is made available to us tonight. Come on, there is no one like you. There is no one higher. There is no one greater. Give us peace with our brothers and sisters. Come on, give us peace in our homes with our family. Give us peace in our marriage. Give us peace with our children. Give us peace, Lord, at our job. 
us peace in our mind tonight. Hallelujah. There's-